I'm in the studio with Jay Halim. And I'm in the studio with Jay Halim. I am in the studio with Jay Halim. I am in the studio with Jay Halim. I'm in the studio with Jay Halim. You are now in the studio with Jay Halim. What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Jay Halim. We are back for another amazing episode of Starve Talk. You guys know what Starve stands for, Stand Tall and Reclaim Victory Every Day. And when I think about that acronym, this young lady right here, who I'm going to be introducing you to, she walks it, she embodies it. And more importantly, she's not for herself, but she wants it for other people. That's one of the reasons why we want her here on Starve Talk. So this is my sister. If you follow me, you know we've talked and we've done these talks on different platforms, but she's no stranger to any platform that I have. It's my sister, Deetra Stover Matthews. Deetra, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much, Jay Helene. It is, it is my pleasure. It is my honor to join you. We haven't done this in a while. I know, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's my pleasure. It's funny. I told somebody else, I said, um, all of our conversations need to be recorded <laughs> because it's just, a, it's a healthy, it's always healthy conversation. Even when we disagree, you know, we can learn from each other. And I think people need to see that more than it's somebody this side and that side. Two things can be true at the same time, you know, or people can have opinions that's different and still be okay. It doesn't mean that you have to be enemies and stuff like that. So I do appreciate that with us. But tell us how you doing. How you doing this morning? What's going on? I'm I'm actually good. You know, um, I have over the years I've I've really tried to embrace when someone asks me how I'm doing. You know, I you know I try to give them the honest answer. I'm I'm good. I think I told you before we started uh, recording. I have a little bit of an earache, and I joke I'm too old to have an earache, but <laughs> I have a little bit of an earache. But for the most part, Jay, I'm I'm pretty good. Really, there is. I really have nothing to complain about. Um, and as you always say, and nobody wants to hear it anyway, right? So <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm excited. I'm excited because you know it's the summertime coming up and you know you got Ram Foundation. So I'm excited to talk to you about the Ram Foundation because this is something that was a, a birthed by your mom over 14 years ago. And then now you are the CEO. You know, what does that mean to you when everybody talks legacy, but you guys are living it? You know, um, it means a lot. And I, I cannot say, honestly say, and, I, and I'm, I'm certain my mom and I um, haven't had this conversation. I don't believe that uh, my mom, my dad, they're the founders of the Ram Foundation. I don't believe they created uh, the organization uh, to leave it to me, right? I don't think they had legacy in mind, but... Uh, Going deeper, though, being part of their legacy, I embrace and I took on the Ram Foundation because my parents have instilled in me the importance of to whom much is given, much is required or much is expected. And I, I, I live that every single day. Um, my, my mother used to always say that um, if, if, if your neighbor is not doing well, then neither are you. Wow. And so... Um, I think that's a deeper legacy, but the organization um, as a as a body, I don't think that my parents created it. I think they were they created it to answer a call. Um, and you know the 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 story. I mean, I'll just be be a little brief. Um, my my mother had a nightmare, and she was having a series of nightmares. 
And they were so vivid and very graphic, full full color uh, nightmares. And basically she was seeing children during the summer months, you know, when kids are um, home a lot, especially in some of our underserved, under-resourced, very often underrepresented communities here in Columbia. Um, she really saw that kids, what they do, you know, they're, they're kids, they're curious. And so they, and, and so she didn't like what she, what she saw in her dream and it, it burdened her. And so um, she just kind of went to Christ and said, what does this mean? And it is provide a safe haven and not only provide a safe haven, make sure it's fun, make sure you're addressing the whole child, make sure you're um, addressing the social and wellness needs of, of these children. And not only the children, because you're doing this, you're also addressing the social and wellness needs of the entire family. So the RAM Foundation was birthed 14 years ago, and we've been providing a free summer camp for 14 years. That's that's amazing. You know, the funny thing is you said something that was even more you know, profound to me when you said that with your mom, your mom's quote about the neighbors. Why don't people think like that about if the neighbor's not doing well, you're not doing well. People don't think like that no more. And and that, you know, you're you're right. And I struggle with trying to analyze the psychology behind that, you know, like why, why don't they? Because, you know, it's simple. Like I'm I'm looking outside my window and I can see my mailbox and I can see my neighbor's mailbox. So imagine if we're going to the mailbox at the same exact time and I recognize that something is clearly wrong with my neighbor. Am I just going to turn around and walk away and go yeah. back in the house? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and it really, I, and that, that may be very simplistic, but imagine, Imagine, you know, you're imagine doing that. And that's kind of what we're doing. Right. You know, we're 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 watching our neighbor struggle, whether it's with all so many different issues. And we go back in the house and we turn around, you know, we turn around, go back in the house and we only care about ourselves. I don't know. I am struggling. I am really still trying to figure out why that is. Yeah, it's it's that that was, you know, like I said, I don't hear those type of things no more because, you know, growing up in the black, especially in the black community, we were borrowing sugar and, and yes. you know, butter or something like that. And, you know, sadly, I know where I come from. You were talked about by some people. Yeah, they always come get sugar and stuff like that. But actually, that was a thing of love because you might not need sugar. We might need the small things, but we might have protected your family, you know, from when somebody was trying to take your daughter or something like that. And it evens out, you know what I mean? Just being that that community. But none of that is like whatever's going on, that's, that's over there. That's their house. That's not our house. And so that's kind of crazy. So we got to figure out a way to get past that point because it's, it, it sucks. But one way, like, you know, with the RAM Foundation, you guys talked about education. Now, your mom's a former educator. Well, she's still educated. She's never going to stop educating, but she's a retired educator. You're an educator. What role does education play in the future of, you know, um, the, our community and as and far as us growing in our community? What role does education play? It, 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 it remains a huge role. Um, and I, I have to admit, I'm a little, I am concerned with, you know, educate as a mom, as a, as someone who, who were, who has worked in the profession, continues to work in the profession and, you know, with, with the RAND Foundation, Jay, I'm a little, I, I, I am concerned. Um, you know, I, 
well, you know, you were there. I, I ran recently ran for for city council and I would often be on the campaign trail and I would talk about the children. You know that my favorite quote is, you know, by, you know, Frederick Douglass. Um, it is easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. And I say that all the time because I intimately understand that children will one day become adults. And, you know, I would talk about kids and people would say, why aren't you running for, for school board? And I would often say it's because as a former educator, I recognize that we're not going to solve the, edu- the ills and woes that we see in our classroom every single day and the challenges that we see in our classroom every single day just by, you know, uh, you know dealing with a budget or vetting, cur- you know, the, the, the latest curriculum. I truly believe it's an economic issue. Mm. Um, you know, you can have the best school board leaders, you can have, you know, 10 social workers in the school, but you're still not addressing the fact that you have so many children coming into our classroom, shouldering the burden of whether, you know, they're uncertain whether or not they're going to have a roof over their head, clean water coming out of their pipes, if water is coming out of their pipes at all, hmm. electricity. And so many of these kids are shouldering these adult burdens. And oftentimes, no matter how motivated or brilliant a child is, they're not mature enough to handle some of those really, really heavy adult issues. And so I am very, very concerned. So I ran, you know, my platform was economic, you know, economy, employment, environment, and education, because I believe that those four intimately intersect with each other. Yeah. And and because I truly do care about, you know, um, uh, improving the quality of life for not only for children, but for the entire family. And I understand as an, as a mother and as a former classroom teacher who watched this very closely to improve the quality of life for kids, you first got to improve the quality of life for their parents or their caregivers. Wow. Wow. It's, uh, it's amazing um, that, again, some people don't talk like that. It's just like. School has become so um, routine. It's just like send them to school. All right, they're done with school. Now figure it out. At what point does the miseducation be, um, you know, a light be shined on the miseducation as opposed to just the regular education? Because there's a lot of things that's being missed in the school system and just the whole hierarchy, you know, is so um, outdated. So how, how do we put a child uh, on the miseducation? Yeah. And, you know, even when I was in college, so I graduated from college, you and I are close in age, graduated from undergrad 22 years ago this month. And I remember towards the end of college, um, there were many advocates, uh, you know, sounding the alarm about the importance of financial education, financial literacy um, in our classroom, you know, when we were in school, we had home economics, we had, you know, we were exposed to the industrial, even the industrial arts, we had carpentry and, mm-hmm. and shop. shop, we called it, yeah, wood shop, we call it shop, you know, for short. And so those, 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 uh, those, those things were pulled out of our education. And then they went so far as, you know, now we're on the other side of it. And, and Folks have been trying to, you know, just sound an alarm. We need to do financial education. We need to do civic education, Jay. A lot of people don't understand how a piece of legislation is passed. We will, you know, and you know, this is something I'm very passionate about being a former um, lobbyist for the state of South Carolina or in the state of South Carolina. 
you know, we'll get mad about a, a pothole, but we don't understand how and you know how how resolutions on the city level, the municipal municipal level, or you know, a bridge on the on the state and federal level, how legislation is passed in order for those those issues to be addressed. So, you know, I know that's kind of going around your question about wow, how do we. Good. You're right on point. You're right on point. Okay. Oh yeah, I yeah. So, and I again, you know, like I was telling you with my platform, I I I see the inter intersections of okay. education and and you know and all of those those you know those other issues, um, and so that does you know so to to my pr previous point that does make me a little uh, concerned. But you know, I I could talk all day about politics because, you know, I I I have been able to be a part of recognizing an issue, creating or drafting or composing a piece of legislation, getting it, and I'm, oh, sorry, it's this okay. is through, this is through a, 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 you know, a state lens, getting a piece of legislation from someone's heart, thought, mind to, you know, the whole legislative process. And it is, it is sometimes a bit cumbersome and and a lot of people just don't understand um, that it there are so many there are so many steps before a piece of legislation lands on the desk of of the executive of the, of the state and you know the governor of the state. Yeah, one one of the things that I also add to that because I agree with everything that you said is the law as well. Period. Like educating about the law is like why a kid has to be twenty two and go to law school to start learning about the law when this is like everything that's needed in school for the rest of your life is not taught. It's just like certain, it's, they're teaching a whole bunch of things. Like once you get past like eighth grade, it's a lot of things is being taught that only a certain few kids are gonna need. Like calculus five is not gonna go unless you wanna be, you know, an engineer or something like that, or a scientist or whatever, you know, like we're not talking about kid, you're gonna need credit. We're not talking uh. about, the law. We're not talking about politics, you know, but if literally they you got to vote at 18. They don't even know what they're voting for. And so what you do is you vote for who your mom voted for or your dad voted for or the community. I remember getting registered in college and I, I this is the funniest thing that happened to me. I just knew back in those days I was voting for um, George Bush the second. It was George Bush and uh, Al Gore. You could not tell me from all the ladies from the neighborhood who was grabbing me, coming to the cafeteria, grabbing us out of there, ushering us in the vote, that Al Gore wasn't going to win. You voting for Gore, right? It was all, all stuff. I don't know that that's, that was rules. It was, they was vote for Gore. You, they wasn't supposed to be telling us who to vote for, but they was telling us that. We did it. And sure enough, I'm like, South Carolina, law, um, Gore lost in South Carolina? Everybody I saw, far as my eye can see, voted for Gore, you know? But I didn't understand how politics work. I didn't understand what was a Republican state and what was a you know, red or blue state. I didn't understand any of that stuff. And you still got my vote, which is precious. You know, you still got me to go ahead and vote. I didn't even know what about um, Al Gore. He could have been the worst of the worst. I haven't the slightest idea. And this is what kids are shoved into. And these are things they're gonna be dealing with for the rest of their lives. But you spend your, your, your formidable years in school getting educated. And you can still go to four-year college and not learn because if you want a business degree or, you know, a certain type of degree, they're not going to talk about that either. So what do we do about this miseducation? Because we're missing the boat. Like, literally, we're missing the boat. So I'll tell you all of those, you know, I, 
one community, one, one small organization like the Rand Foundation at a time, civic engagement, civic education is a part of our curriculum. It has been for a very, very long time. Our kids from the age of four years old, the kids that we have every single year, they are taught how a, how a bill becomes a bill on the state level. They're taught how, um, I mean, a few years ago, actually, um, they were, we used a curriculum, I, I cannot remember the name of it, but we used a curriculum where the student or the campers were able to discuss among themselves and vote among themselves on an issue that was near and dear to them. And, you know, it, it, it was something, I can't remember exactly what it, what it was, Jay, but they decided what the issue and voted amongst themselves as campers. And we had two different groups and they, they were able to present it um, to some of our city council leaders. Um, and so they were, they were exposed to how an issue is addressed through resolution on the municipality level um, or, or how a, an issue is just addressed just by showing up at a city council meeting, putting your, your name on the agenda and voicing your concerns. I love um, and so, and, and so we've been doing that in regards to the law, um, you know, we've been leaning on some community leaders and some community partners to come in and talk about, you know, that profession. And so much so we've been doing this for years with the Rand Foundation is that um, our kids actually get the chance to participate in a mock trial. And some of our campers are jurists. Um, they're part of a jury, not jurist. They're part of a, the jury. Um, some of the campers are, you know, they they are part of the prosecu prosecution team. And then they're probably the the part of the, the def defense team. And the others are in the in the audience. But we actually get on a bus and we actually go to the courthouse. Wow. And it is. And so. To, how do we do that? You know, we we do this for now, you know, maybe one organization at a time, one community at a time. It is my goal, and you know this because I've shared with you, it is my goal for the Ram Foundation to be, be to be in the community, not just for you know, six weeks out of the summer. It is it is part of our vision, our goal for the Ram Foundation to be in the community and providing these opportunities and these services um year round. Yeah. Year round, we are we are eventually hoping to be able to do that, and so, um, you know, maybe maybe the Rand Foundation can serve as a template, and we put this template and 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 use it, and hopefully encourage some of our school board leaders to to put it in our classrooms every single day. Um, so we'll see. Stay tuned on that. I love <laughs> Stay it. Stay tuned love on it. that. I love it. But you touched on economics. You talked to, you touched on economics. So. Again, another miseducation because we get it. Some parts are cut, cut and dry. You know, you get a job, get a good paying job and be able to you know, take care of your family. But there's a lot of underlying scenarios that nobody talks about, at least enough, that these parents that you are guys are serving um, are hurting from economically. And some of it is systemic. Some of it is generational. So touch on some of those things, those economic issues that you guys are trying to um tap into and, and fix? Well, um, so personally, another reason I ran for city council is because first of all, one, one of the greatest honors and privileges of my life was being able to serve for 19 plus years as a military spouse. So I've been able to 
born and raised here in Columbia, South Carolina, but I've been able to live in, you know, so many different geographical areas around the country. So I've seen what works. I've seen that what didn't work so well. Um, and in regards to economics locally and maybe, you know, and on the, on, you know, state, and I often tell people the, you know, when you're talking about economy and employment, I always say they're different because when I talk about employment, I filter it through that lens. I'd say employment is making sure that people have one job that pays a livable wage. Yeah. The economy is from a policy standpoint or for a legislative standpoint is, you know, here in the state, here in Columbia, South Carolina, making sure that we have industries in the state of South Carolina that also pay one wage, a livable wage. And when I say livable wage, where people are comfortably able to buy a house or rent a house and, you know, take care of all of their, 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 you know, basic needs um, off of one job, but economics, making sure that we are, and as a, as a city and state, creating the environment and the culture where you have industries, corporate industries coming into the state or the city um, where there's an opportunity for upward, upward um, mobility, where people literally back in the day, Jay, people could start in the mailroom and work their yeah. way up to the, you know, to the 15th floor in 20 years. Yeah. We don't have an industry. We don't have very many industries like that here in Columbia or the city of South Carolina. And while I am a cheerleader, a huge cheerleader for small businesses, you know, they are the, the you know, the cornerstone of every central city um, in the in, in the country. But small businesses, for the most part, are not able to provide jobs, yeah. employment that pay livable wages. Yeah. And so going back to the education point and how those interests set, you will have a parent who now has two or three jobs because unfortunately the city or the state has made that the economic tool um, for employment in, this, in, the, in the city or state, it's small business, but the employees are having to carry two and three jobs in order to to make ends meet, and so guess what? They're not home. <laughs> Absolutely, you right. know what I'm saying? They're not home. They're not able to go to the parent teacher conference. I mean, just the, the the unrealism. I mean, just just so unrealistic for us to expect a parent who is working two three jobs to attend, you know, parent teacher conferences. And I know Jay, even when I am stressed out as a parent, I'm not. When I'm stressed out, I'm not the best mother. You know what I'm saying? So it just, I don't know. I I, I would have told, I, had, I, had I been success, you know, successful in my run, that would have been one of the largest priorities is how to incentivize, how to create an environment and culture where you have industries, what, you know, think about IBM or you have, you have like Charlotte, that's the banking industry, bringing an industry um, into the city where some of our college graduates, you know, they come here, they stay here four years and they, they're out of here. Immediately. <laughs> right. And so just creating a, a, a industry pathway that allows more and more and more people to have one job that pays a livable wage. One thing that I think that gets overshadowed is that people don't believe that or understand that economics is a lifestyle. It's not just, okay, something you do. And I don't think that that lifestyle is being, it's like, we have it, you guys figure it out, or we just don't have it. When you talked about IBM and places coming here, 
it's been that lifestyle of not having that. And some people are, have been able to flourish in it, but the majority haven't. And the minority has been okay with the majority not being able to flourish. And so how do we convince people that it's better to have this upward mobility type of lifestyle because that would, that's opens up that inflammation floodgate because all it is is information. Like you said, everybody wants to be an entrepreneur right now, but small businesses have more of a responsibility to your community to um, then just to make you a bunch of money. What have you created for your community? What have you created? What jobs have you created? How have you given back? How, you know, what have you done in your, in your community? What that's your lifestyle. Like, okay, once I make my million dollars from these people off the backs of these people, or they support me to, to that level, how do I give to my local politician? How do I give to Ram Foundation to make sure that the kids are being taken care of? How do I send my kid to a place like that? It's beautiful that you guys are free, but most people aren't. So, but still, how do you, if you can't find a free place, how do you, you know, invest in that as opposed to taking a kid away from the place where, you know, they're, they're putting money into your, your business. They affording you to live a certain kind of way. All of these things are a lifestyle. And I just see, it seems like, some people are okay with not giving up that information and letting other people just fall by the wayside. Yeah. <clears throat> I know your listeners, they're probably like, man, they talk all the time. <laughs> I, that is something that you have uh, um, showed concern for, for a very, very long time. I, you, you and I talk about the book, um, the miseducation of a Negro. Is, mm-hmm. that, is that the one? Yeah. Carter G. Wilson. And you all, Carter G. Wilson, you often wonder, you know, when you see community leaders, and they and you know they say that they've read the book and you're like really yeah. <laughs> like really yes yes yeah. I I be I was upset when I read that book literally I told you this I read it myself and then I had this I sat my family down and read that book to my family literally in one day and then I I harkened back to the people who I met and said that they read this book and who told me I should read the book years ago and I said there's no way ain't no way in hell you read this book. <laughs> and you acting like the way you act because I've been, I was changed ever since. And I was floored how you can talk about 1930, how churches is lined up across the street from each other. And I still see it in 2020, 2021, 22, stuff like that. And um, how black people would, you know, not help each other when it comes to their businesses. And he's talking about that's over almost a hundred years ago. And it's still relevant to the day. What are we doing what what are we doing for real? That uh, that that's something you and I we we you know I'm I'm sitting here and I'm I'm nodding and I'm amening and um I have that same question. I have that same question. Um, you know the information is out there, they, and they, and and look nobody anybody's our age has heard the the um the, the quote. You want to hide something from somebody, they, they say something else, but you want to hide something from a black person, put it in the book, right? You've heard that. So that doesn't do anything to you and say, you know what, I'm still not going to read because, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and perpetuate this, you know, the stereotype because you can't blame it on nobody else. You can't blame it on the white man or somebody else, man, any other man. It said you, you, nobody's stopping you from proving them wrong. They even have audio books now. <laughs> But the information is there. Google it. You know, the information is there. By the time you read a couple paragraphs on Google a day, you're a reader. You know, after six months, you're really a reader. So what are we doing? 
I don't know. And I tell you, it starts early, you know, um, just the apathy, you know, don't, you know, I had a 12 year old, um, there was a 12 year old black boy, um, oh, I guess about four or five years ago. And Jay, he was brilliant. He, I remember him, somebody, he, somebody had laid some beats down, right. And he rapped over it. And mm. it sounded like poetry. He was mm. 12, Jay. I, wow. I mean, it was just amazing. And I told him how amazing it was. And he thanked me. But then he, he in, in, you know, initiated a conversation about Miss Matthews. Thank you. He said, I know you, you tell us that we can be anything we want to be. I know you tell us you, you bring all of these people to come in and talk to us. He said, and I, he said, I know that you believe it. He was just like, I don't believe that. That's wow. not going to happen to me. Wow. He was like, that's not going to happen to me. He was like, I'm going to be either. I mean, he said, I'm going to be just like my daddy or just like my uncle, either dead or in jail. This wow. was like four years ago. Wow. This wow. was like four years ago. And I was just in it's the conversation started with me. Like that was amazing. Like I'm not a fan of the new rap these days <laughs> because it's just like, you know, it's like 15 words on a page and it's just, they, they just repeat those 15 words. Like he literally was like, like a, a old school lyricist, like Nas or, you know, where it's, you know, or a song or it's, it's, it's 10 pages long. And he was just, just rapping and it, it just came out and sound like poetry. And he just, he was like, I don't, that's not going to happen to me though. Wow. He was like, I, so it starts early. And so by the time, that? I never told you that story. No, how did you feel when he said that? It broke my heart. Oh man. Jay, it broke my heart. And, it, and what's so interesting is that year was the year I decided to finally leave education because I felt like I could make a larger impact working on the policy side because I had two big instances in that in that year that that one being one and another one with another black 12 year old black boy um, sharing something with me um but that where you know that they really truly don't believe that they can be what someone says and you know that they can be by the time they're adults they are just walking through life I mean just completely apathetic Mm. you know and 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 so it's it's unfortunate um it's 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 so it's so it's so unfortunate and i don't you know i you're not talking about this i i i'm not sure if i have the answer on how to how to address that how to get the education into the ears and hearts and minds of, of folks um and move them from apathy to advocacy or you know an advocacy for their own life well, you know, you talked about your mom and her dream or nightmares. And one of the major things that she spoke about in that space was protection, protecting the kids. So what does protection looks look like now going forward? What what how do we get started? I mean, nobody knows the complete answer, but how do we effectively try to protect our children going forward? Unfortunately, we only have our kids. Um, in the Rand Foundation, six weeks. Again, we hope that we one day we hope to have them year round. Um, going back to my mom, her first thing was providing a safe haven mm-hmm. where a kid knows that they're safe, 
the kid knows, the children know that they are loved. And when I say they know that they are loved, um, the RAM is a space where kids, we welcome hugs, you know? Um, the kids are fed. Um, and we hope to provide that sense of protection in those six weeks that we have them. Um, you know, I remember, and I know I keep bringing these, these stories and these anecdotes to the conversation, but I remember one of my first years of being a classroom teacher. And I remember one of my, one of my colleagues, one of my peers, she told me that I was going to have a, a difficult year because I didn't yell at the kids. I didn't, you know, scream at them. And to be honest with you, she said, you got the curse every now and then. And it ended up being one of my best years, Jay. Wow. And I remember asking her why. And she said, because this is the way these kids understand love. Wow. And I was like, what? That's deep. Not in my, no, but, but I would ne I never subscribed to that. I, that, you know, and so when, in regards to the sense of protection, I think we need to redefine as a community, what protection looks like. Hmm. Um, because my, this colleague, this peer of mine, she looked like the two of us. Wow. That's amazing. That's, 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 that's something that she, I mean, again, we've all been, in, um, teachers, you know, been in a classroom where certain teachers felt like they needed to do that. And some kids thought it was funny. Some kids, you know, got through to some kids was like, whatever, you know, I hear that all the time, <laughs> you know, you're not doing anything, but I would, I've never heard somebody tell another person like, Hey, this is what you need to do. Like, that's kind of crazy. I, I always saw it. Like, this is where that teacher was pushed to, <laughs> you know, and they just reacted. Cause I mean, we all, I, I know I wasn't always the greatest student. So um, sometimes we push the teacher over the limit and you see that you're like, Oh, you know, nah, I wouldn't want to do that. But to, to hear that, but then start talking about protection. One, one of the things that I think about is protection through prevention. Mm, yeah, you talk about that, yeah. Because it's just like your children, let's just say something you've probably saw in your childhood. I know what I've seen in my childhood. My kids at this age, my oldest is about to be 14. She hadn't seen the things I've seen in her 13, almost 14 years of life because of me preventing it. And so by that, you know, she hadn't seen anybody smoking, using crack and, you know, uh, people getting shot. I was shot at 14. So she's coming up on the age that I was shot. So like she's I was outside at 12 o'clock at night, two blocks away from home. She's in bed by nine <laughs> sleep, not just listen, she's in bed by nine sleep. And she's and, and doesn't put up a fight like, hey, OK, it's time for bed. Come give us a hug. All right. Good night. That's prevention. And so I, I think that, like you said, and this is how we're tying it all in, because that parent who just had to stop by home to grab something to eat to go back to work that night or had to go to work overnight and work the morning and overnight and they're not really there or they sleep in between the time while they're doing their homework and they don't, it's still not making enough money. They don't have the time to take them on trips or take them to go see something to open their eyes up to certain things. It prevents it, it prevents them from preventing something bad from happening to their children. Now we always have these cataclysmic things that happen, but those happen way less than just regular, oh, I dropped the ball scenario, or oh, somebody wasn't around for that kid. So how do we put ourselves in position to prevent a lot of these things from happening to our babies? 
So, you know, I am an advocate for voter engagement. You know, I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I should, I was about to say, I hate to be that person is like, you got to show up to vote. You got to show up to your city, but I'm going to be that person <laughs> right now. You know, I'm going to bring that perspective. Voter education and voter engagement is so, so important because if you're in a situation, and I know you often talk about, you have to educate people on the importance of, and, and why, they should, why they should vote. So let's just take, you know, someone gets in trouble, they have a criminal hit, you know, and that is recycled in a community or that's recycled in, or that happens very often in, um, in a family. And using that very personal issue, I like to do is say, okay, do you know that your voting impacts that experience? Because oftentimes who you elect oftentimes are the ones who are choosing those who put on robes, the judges, you know, so, um, and, and those who you elect on the state level are the ones who are making the, you know, state law, criminal law, or on the federal level, federal law that, you know, and so, um, I, after we get beyond the educating and, and telling people why it is important to to show up at the 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 uh, ballot and use your voice, then we have to then hold the people we voted for. We have to hold them accountable. It cannot stop just for you every two years or every four years um, going into a, a booth, you know, pulling a lever for someone, and then you sit back and then. You just watch what they do, what they're doing or what they're not doing. Um, you have to hold your elected leaders accountable. So I am big about voter education. I'm I'm big about voter engagement. You know, uh, every that, that's something that we all can do. You know, if 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 we um, are legally able to do so, are we, we too all far gone at that point though? Like when, when I'm talking about with the babies. Are we too far gone at that point? I think that that plays a part in, you know, um, how I feel about that, especially on a local level. I'm I'm, I'm kind of on the fence with the uh, with the presidential and the national piece. But locally, I think you definitely, I, don't, I totally agree. We need to be in that space. But with the babies, you know, from a protection space, I think we're far gone by, like, getting to the point where they got to see a judge. Like, how do we, unless my daughter goes real, like, really rogue, she's probably never going to see a judge. I can't say what she's going to do when she's grown, but underneath my roof, as long as I'm breathing, it's going to be hard pressed for her to be in that space because like when she's going somewhere, I want to be a part of it. Even when she's talking about going to college, I said, wherever she go to college, we will probably have a place there so that we can be somewhere close to you to make sure that you're good. But, but Jay, see, but it's because of something that you're doing as a parent, as a father. Mm -hmm. So this is what I'm saying. Like, I, you know, a lot of times when we try to combat an, an issue that children, you know, are, are dealing with, we try to go to the child, which is great. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what Ram, that's what we do. That's what we do with Ram. Um, but but for sustainability, I think those efforts need to be in improving the quality of life for the parent. 
because what if you didn't what i mean you, you know you sh- you share your experience you're about growing up and you mm-hmm. know you just share about being out at, at midnight at 14 and how you won't allow that now as a parent mm-hmm. um and so i think i i think it has to be how how are we going to protect our children is that we're going to I mean, for the most part, protect their parents, if that makes any sense. Like, you know, I, I just, that, that part okay, makes yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah, you know, it makes a lot of sense because, again, my, my parents, even though, you know, they were in their space, um, but they and they wasn't in a financial position or in a knowledgeable space to be able to give me what I can give my children. However, that's a problem. We have to give that because my kids will eventually be parents and so will yours and other ones. And like you said, going back to the Frederick Douglass quote, it's better to build strong children than repair broken men. Some of the politicians, some of the people who are voting are broken because I know that I my kids have thrived in this, in this city because of what I've been able to do in the business space here. And so when my daughter can go to the mayor and the mayor knows my name, you know, they're going to treat her differently. And, you know, and when I'm willing to show up, because they're going to have encounters, but they, they need to see that somebody's protecting them. And so you can't stop certain encounters, but they know, hey, in school, we can call her, her parent and he'll show right up. I've, I've been in a situation, my daughter was in a Mandarin Emerging School, as you know, and she was frustrated with the teacher and a bunch of other kids was, but, and they were kind of like, really like on some, I'm about to rebel because, this lady wants us to speak Mandarin. We're frustrated and nobody's addressing that point. Well, the young lady, her and my daughter got into it with the teacher. The other young lady was suspended. Mine wasn't. And the only reason why the lady told me, she said, because I called you and you came immediately. We couldn't get a hold of the other parent. Not saying that the parent was not fit. The parent was probably working like we talked about. Probably, you know, working, probably at a job, couldn't take the call or whatever the case may be. But because I was in a position to be available for my child, it prevented her from getting suspended. And that she finished out the rest of the year with that teacher. That was a favorite teacher at that point because we were able to be there and have a different discussion. So I just look at the prevention, protection by prevention scenario, because I think that when kids are, like you said earlier, dealing with adult problems or dealing with problems on their own, it, it puts them in a bad space. It makes them make bad decisions. It makes them have to follow other kids who don't know nothing, know nothing, no better, but they seem like they have a better path than they do. They start to follow them. And then now they, they get put in, in bad spaces. That was me. I'm, I didn't have no parental guidance. So I'm with my friend who's two years older than me. And you know, we're outside and this happens. But if my parent was there and was like, Hey, boy, it's, it's 12 o'clock. You ain't even supposed to be up, let alone outside two blocks away. So that's that's one of the things I'm seeing. I totally agree with the, the voting piece. I just um I think for us as adults, we definitely need to be not just voting, getting to know these people. Like you said, showing up at certain functions, being there so they know who you are, so they can respect you because it's, these are humans. And the humans, I, I talked about this in the government contracting space everywhere. They deal with who they know. They're not just going to call you because you registered your business. They're not going to just call you because you voted for them. But when they see you all the time and they know that they can't just tell you anything, then they'll deal with and address with your problems. But if not, they're not going to do it. Right. And 
and and you made a decision you made a decision that you were not going to live like you live like this for the rest of your life. You made a decision. You know, I, I share with you my mom, my mom's story. My mom made that decision, decision that she was not going to stay in rural South Carolina. She, she made that decision, you know, but her environment was teaching her something different. Her environment was teaching her, teaching her that staying in that environment is okay. I, um, but at the end of the day, you know, I think my mom, my mom making that decision is a bit, especially today, I think that would be an anomaly. I'm not sure if you see yourself as an anomaly. I do. Um, okay. I do. Um, and so I, you know, I just keep going back on to, you know, in order to protect the, ch the child, we're going to have to protect their parents. I've had experiences of going back to your, um, you know, your, your, your story with, with your daughter and her, her classroom mate and the teacher, I've had experiences where the parent is there, they're asleep because they just work third shift. Yeah. I've had, I mean, there are all kinds of reasons for what, for, for, uh, you know, for, for parents not, you know, maybe that could have been all kinds of reasons for the, you know, that parent didn't answer the phone. Um, and unfortunately, society judges that mother not picking up that call exactly. in a very unfair way. You know, judges without without education, judges without knowledge of why that parent didn't pick up the call. Um, so it, again, it goes back to making sure that the parents are protected. And I just think that it's just intimately, um, you know, related to our elected officials. You know, our elected officials create the environment and culture for for any city state. I, I, I just truly believe that. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I just, you no, know, when it I- It goes back to that though. You said that. And, and I agree in certain, and especially from a space, like I said, but education, like, the parents don't know that the children don't know that. And it's not just black kids that don't know that. I think other kids get it faster than black kids, but black kids, I mean, people, kids don't know that it's not in school. I mean, my kids, your kids, we they go to school with white kids and other ethnicities and they're learning the same thing. <laughs> and it's not talking about politics. And if they are talking about social studies, they're talking about stuff that happened 300 years ago, 200 years ago, you know, stuff like that. Like, what about what's going on right now or what's going to happen for them? What's going to be important for them in the next five or 10 years um, from a political space, from an economic space, from, you know, um, far as law, because, you know, they're going to get um, tickets. They're going to get speeding tickets and they're not going to know how to deal with that. Uh, or just or now you're just dealing with this again, the protection portion. So, so they spend their life trying to prevent themselves from getting a speeding ticket because they're afraid on the black side of encountering police and on everybody's side, just the financial ramifications and also, you know, losing your license or getting points and license and all that stuff, the inconveniences and things of that nature. So like, that's all the encounter we get with learning about that. Like just avoid it. You don't ever, ever know about it. Just avoid it. So you don't ever have to deal with it. In across states, across the country are passing legislation to prevent the, you know, teaching the real education, you really? know, so. Wow. Huh? Speak to that. Speak to that. 
I mean, so so I I keep going to elected officials, you know, and so when we talk about you know putting financial literacy in our classroom, you may you know there may be a state that says in and recognize in order because in when we're thinking about dominance and power, in order to keep these marginalized communities marginalized, we don't need them to learn about financial literacy put in the book, you know, that if you want to keep it, you know, keep it away from that, put in the book. We don't want, the, we don't want, and so they will literally pass legislation. This is happening in states across the country. Mm. You have our state leaders who are passing legislation that prevents schools for, for, you know, teaching real American history, right? Mm. So, you know, imagine, um, you know, imagine there being, and all of this, a lot of times, a lot of these these legislations are, they're not problems in the state. They're, you know, these legislators are creating the problem. So imagine if a parent says, I don't want my, you know, I don't want my child to learn about uh, credit score. I don't want my child. And then they, and then they're able to attach it to something that's just, just outlandish. And you have a group of people who advocate and, and they think of think alike and they go to their state leaders and, and the state leader, you know, introduces and gets a piece of legislation um, passed in that state that prevents them to teach about credit scores. Mm. I mean, this is I mean, silly stuff like this is happening across the country. And so what do we do? As a people, and this is me talking about black people now, you know. Because nobody's preventing you from teaching your students, I mean, your children or teaching yourself for that matter, because self-education is the best education. I mean, you have your curriculum from school from zero to you know 12th grade, but self-education, the best education. So what is stopping people from teaching their children about it? And also other black people sharing the knowledge because everybody's not credit ignorant or financially ignorant. Some it's people that look like us, you and I are doing very, very well with themselves. What's preventing them from sharing the knowledge? So, I mean, I just selfish, mm-hmm. selfish or competition. I've, I've, I've told you, I, and one day I'm going to find that study, Jay. I, I got to remember to find it where, I mean, it's, you know, it competition and jealousy and envy and where you have an employee who's making $50,000, you have an employee who's, I can't remember the exact numbers, but let's just say $50,000 and you have an employee that's making $100,000. They go to the employee that's making 50 and said, and they say, I'm going to double your salary. I'm going to give you now $100,000, but you have to agree that the person who's making a, uh, already making $100,000, I can also give them $50,000 too. And the study show overwhelmingly they had a very large sample size overwhelmingly the person who's making fifty thousand dollars will say no i'll just keep my 50 just to prevent that person from now making one hundred and fifty thousand. and 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 that is like one of the craziest things i've ever heard because you're going to stop your fifty thousand dollars because somebody else is going to make fifty thousand dollars but i believe it i believe then, it right and then in reverse mm. and then in reverse. now this is not a study but this is just something i you know just being a human being and walking this earth, somebody who's making $150,000, you know, this exceptionalism, you know, I'm the only one in the room. I'm the only one that has a seat at the table. And for some reason they become so territorial. 
<laughs> and, you know, and they don't want to, you know, you, you have a seat at the room, but when you have a seat at the room, you're supposed to be walking in there with, 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 uh, you know, arm of chairs with you. Yeah. You know, you can't be the only one in the room, but for some reason we have this, it, it, and I harken it back to jealousy, envy, um, and competition. And also I, miseducation and then miseducation. Cause you've heard the people say you can't bring Tyrone to the company picnic. And I and, and 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 for me, I think I agree with that in certain instances because Tyrone might not not know how to act in that space. But it's still your responsibility to create your own situation when you are the chosen person. Again, like we talk about, looking at myself as an anomaly in my family, I do um, at the time because coming up with my grandmother being in the system since the '60s, and so she raised eight children of her own through the system, and then me being the first grandchild and graduating high school and college. And then the next six grandchildren didn't even graduate high school. Like that's somewhat of an anomaly. Now the rest of them are starting to, you know, do that thing, but it was a while. And, but it was my job to go while I'm out here, bring it back and show them. So I literally, once those other six, the next one was with me by the time I was 24 years old, he was 16 and I was 24 and I had him stand with me. And teaching him, and I actually got him into college. Now, he didn't graduate, but I got him out of co- out of high school, which was the step. And the next one got out of high school. His younger sister was the next one to graduate high school. Now, his baby brother is a full on a full ride to do a- academically. So, it takes the thing, it takes you to bring him out and show him. And so, I couldn't take him with me. But the knowledge, I'm, I, that's what I can take back with me is the knowledge. So you've seen the room. You can say, hey, I saw a place that looked way better than where we look, where we live in. And, and, and people are doing things. You didn't have to fight for the food. Like we fight for the food over here. It was more than we needed. And I ate my fill and it was still more than enough. Let's set this up. But people still keep that information to themselves. That's the craziest thing to me. It is. And I, and I will tell you, and so let's, and you and I have had these conversations about, you know, sometimes there are people who want to share the information, Mm. but, but it is not welcome. You know, it's, you know, it, it's, 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 it's a bit of psychology. Yeah. And I mean, to be honest with you, sometimes I feel like I'm, it's like psychological acrobats. I mean, it's just so much, I mean, seriously, it's, it, and it can be exhausting sometimes um, but I think, I mean, it, it, you, you hear it from, from, you know, through that space that you just, you know, shared or that through that lens you just shared. And then you also hear where there are people who want to give the information, like we want, you know, there are people who want to give the information, um, but it's not welcome for, yeah. for, for so many different reasons. So there's this. <sighs> yeah. You got to take a deep breath. <laughs> to take a deep breath because you know i immediately think about my husband thinks it's just so it's 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 a it's simple he he says if you look at our traumatic history all of that you know just the 400 years of servitude my husband you know he thinks it's and i i think about it, so i took a deep breath because it just kind of just I, I just quickly got in in my in my mind but he says if you look at the traumatic history 400 years of servitude and what that did to our minds and then how the created system made us compete with with each other for survival a lot of times my husband believes it's now in our dna 
So my husband believes is that somehow we're going to have to rewrite our DNA. And I'll tell you that not, not saying those words, but I always say we got to stop playing this game because I always use the acronym or not the acronym. I use the example of if you play Monopoly, there's nowhere in the world you're going to sit at the table with somebody playing Monopoly and watch them go around the board 400 times, then get in the game. Like that doesn't make sense to me. So we still coming out trying to play this game. Now we're um displaced. And so we're still living up underneath their, their rule in some way, shape, form or fashion because of, you know, we, we just don't know, but you, it's people that live and die for years, never voting, you know, never doing any of this stuff, never participating in any of these things. And it's not affecting them directly at all. And they've lived and died. And there's a lot of people and they look like us. So you can actually put yourself in a situation where you're kind of off on your own island. We watched the Jewish community do it. Watched some of the Asian community do it. Um, where they're like, I get it, but we're over here with ours. And we're going to create a church. And that church is going to have a school. And all our students are going to go through school within our synagogue and they're going to go off to the best colleges and then they're going to go and be doctors, lawyers, accountants, what have you, that because they, they, they've studied how much money they make. I mean, like real plans, not playing the lottery, like, okay, let's maybe this kid will be high, maybe this kid will be like, no, this is what's going to happen. And we're going to have each one of each family is going to have three kids that's going to do the same thing. And then they're going to have kids that's going to do the same thing. And before you know it, a hundred years go by and you see what we see. We always I, talked about that, right? And but you know what? We 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 get mixed up at who's going to get left behind? Oh yeah, and you you <laughs> you 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 believe that that's that is a necessity? Yes. Yes, you be, yes. Everybody you can't go. Is- Everybody can't go. Yeah, that's a big deal because again, some people are it is in their DNA, and some people are not going to change. Some people are going to go out and stumble back to the, the um to you know to the uh village and you should let them back in especially if their mind has changed but uh uh-uh. you got to get the kids and the people who with it that's it and then you got to start creating that situation and then after 50 years 30 years however many years ago a couple generations go by you start to see this thing works and then you can actually do something but until then some people got to be let let go. You cannot say everybody can go. That's just how I feel about it. Um, I and I mean I don't I don't disagree. I definitely don't disagree. And 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 you know the space I'm in right now, like the mental emotional space I'm mm-hmm. in right now, like I, I'm 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 probably kind of in that mold, like actively <laughs> in that mold right now. <laughs> you know. Uh, so I, I definitely don't disagree because I mean, it, it, to a point it's, ex- I said this before, I mean, it's exhausting. Definitely. You know, I can't, I don't, I can't want something more for you than you want for yourself. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So I, I definitely don't disagree. Definitely don't disagree. Well, the, the name of this show is Star of Talk, right? And we've been on, I've had a few shows, but this one is near and dear to my heart because of the acronym, stand tall and reclaim victory every day. So we've had some great conversation about some very important topics. So when you think about that acronym, what does that mean to you? Stand tall and reclaim victory every day. 
oh, I wish you would have given me that question ahead of time. <laughs> you know, I'm a measured thinker. <laughs> Stand tall and reclaim victory every day. You know, that's that's that that's a hard one. I mean, that's real, really, really hard. Um, and that I think what is what's making it difficult for me is the everyday part, right? Is mm-hmm. the everyday stand tall and reclaim victory every day. Well, I'll and help. So, I can tell you what I think. Maybe help you out. Well, I'm because I'm because I think what's what okay. what's why I'm struggling is because I'm trying to measure vict- what victory looks like. Oh, yeah. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's why I'm struggling with this because yeah. I'm trying to measure it. Um, and not be so cliche also and, and say that even the small victories are victories, which, which is true, you know? Um, but what does standing tall and reclaiming victory every day? I'm, I'm in a bit of, uh, I've made a lot of pivots in my life, Jane, you, 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 you know, a lot about them and I'm, I'm in another one. I mean, this probably is one of the largest transitions in my life that I have ever made. And so. Um, I think I'm still in the space, um, to figure that out, to figure out what that means, reclaiming my victory every single day. Um, because, right. So (laughs) we're talking to your, I won't start family right now. Right. Mm -hmm. So. In the in the in the bit of um, transparency, there is something that I have to do, and there's a sacrifice that I have to make for the next few years that is necessary for my family, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm, I measure reclaiming victory a little differently than I did two years ago, and I know by then by the way I'm going to look at it and measure it two years from now. And so, um, and I know I'm, t- I'm talking all over the place because that, is, I mean, that's just a, that's a hard question for me right now, particularly as I'm in a, uh, a mental, emotional and physical space of transition right now. But it's about um, everything we talked about though, even, uh, you know, all of the topics that we discussed, it don't have to be just you personally, but just what does that look like? Like I was saying for me, it's the decision itself, you know, because, a lot of time we've taught in jobs, we're taught in life. We're like, what's the fallback plan? What's the fallback plan? What's the fallback plan? So we're not really making a true decision because you always got some fallback. And I think that as people, we need to make that decision. And then the reclaiming victory every day is fighting for that decision every single day, standing tall. You, you're resolute. This is the decision I've made. Yes, it's going to be hurdles. It's going to be roadblocks. It's going to be traffic down that road. Yes, can I take a detour? Yes, but there's no plan B. There's no turning back from that destination. Now, it's going to be other destinations once you reach this one, but can we really truly say, you know, since we've got out of slavery, since we got in the situation that we had a, a destination, that we were going for and we actually got to it. Maybe maybe Martin can, can say that. Maybe Martin Luther King, he's not here to see it, but he did say it. Um, 
Malcolm X can't say that. You know, um, Marcus Garvey can't say it. You know, we 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 haven't made the truly made a decision and stood on it and fought for it and and got to a certain point so that we can see where the next point for us to take our people and the next point for us to take our people. And I know I lived that personally when I said, I'm not going to live like the way I live. 15 people in a three-bedroom, uh, glorified three-bedroom apartment with one bathroom. Um, I'm not going to live in a space where we have roaches and my grandmother had to leave the light on to make sure the roaches don't come and get your food or, you know, every six months instead of uh, somebody just coming to spray in your house, they got to bomb your house to make sure because it's three different families and to make sure it's, it's not overrun with insects or rodents or things of that nature. Like I made a choice. I made a decision to continuously do that. And just as a testimonial moment, I just put my son in private school. And people don't realize, and I had to realize, this will be the first Washington to go to private school. My child. That's, I never even dreamed that that was what I was going to be doing when I said I wanted to do that for, for my children. But now knowing that I really changed the landscape of my family, now it's time for the next one. It's time to, hey, how do I get them to have this type of stuff on their mind? How do I make sure that they take us to the next place? How do I do that? But standing tall and reclaiming victory, reclaiming that decision, fighting for that decision every single day. That's where I, it came for for me. Well, I'm, I'm going to um, carbon copy it. I'm going to take it. I mean, because as you're talking, you know, that's what it is for me. Like I said, like in this period of transition for me and what the next two years is going to like, I, I, I made a decision to be in this space for two years that I'm in right now. That's a decision. And so I now have to stand tall every mm -hmm. single day and work and fight for the re you know, for, for this reason of doing what I'm doing. Like I, mm -hmm. so I'm going to, I, I, that I'm going to, I'm going to think about it some more, but I hear you. And it, it inspired me to say, well, that's the same for me. Yeah. Like I made the decision now. I don't know if for personal reasons, if, if I have given a lot of thought to where I would like to be in the next 10 years. Um, and I think probably it's because of you know what I just went through running for office that took a lot that took a that took a lot out of me that took a lot out of my family and so I think pick my picture of what I you know and the reason I say next 10 years because we talk about the next generation all that type yeah. of stuff too mm -hmm. is this that I just it's I'm having to rethink all of that right now I'm having to rethink all of that and what that looks like right now but I'm using, I'm, I'm standing in what you, what you said, like I made a decision and it's going to be, you know, there are going to be some challenges. I'm sure there are probably going to be some doubts, but I have to stand in this decision that I have made and work and fight every single day. Um, so that I can stay closely connected to this decision that I've made. I think that's great. I mean, because you, you an athlete for people who don't know your former athlete and, and a championship athlete. And so I know it, pisses you off to see the the participation trophies <laughs> and something you know what oh, I'm God. Do you, Jay I for real and Caroline the, the girls tell you they will tell you like I'm supposed to congratulate you because you because you 
put on a uniform? And, 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 and that's the thing. So what, what has happened, I use that as an example because what has happened is they keep moving the needle to make us feel like we're winning and we're not winning. Mm. It's like, so what is a real win? What, what, what is completion looking like? Not because I participated in school. If I didn't graduate, I did not win at school. You know, if I did not graduate, I did not win in college. You know, if that's what I, that's that, because that's the game you plan. If you didn't, if you went someplace else, you wasn't playing that game, fine. But if that's the game you plan. The goal is to win and winning is graduating. And that's the decision you made. Stand tall in your decision and fight for it until you, you have to go to the next thing. But getting to the next thing means it's over. You've done it. You've completed something. And so that's what we have to start doing. That's what I mean by lifestyle. And the last thing, because I know we got to go, but I just one thing I want to touch on is collaboration. What, how does collaboration, first of all, what does it mean to you? And how does collaboration play a part in going forward to have a prosperous future? Collaboration is, uh, I mean, it's necessary, to be honest, Jay. It's necessary. I mean, in the professional space, I don't, I know, I know no other thing, but collaboration. Um, um, and in the personal space, what is collaboration with your spouse, collaboration with the tribe and community that you, that you create, um, it is everything. It's, it's, it is absolutely, uh, necessary. Um, I don't believe there's anybody there. I, I, if, if someone t tells you that they have made it in life or they have achieved some high level of measurable, uh, you know, intangible success, and they say they've done it by themselves, they are, they are lying. <laughs> Straight up. Um, and so I actually believe, I mean, it's just, it's, it's absolutely necessary. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Now I, think, I know you're gonna you you which I I know your your definition of collaboration is a little deeper. No, I just think a lot I'm deeper. I'm, yeah, I'm I'm not gonna uh, I'm not. It's just this. It's definitely necessary, and I think that we need to get used to using that word. And it's about, me. It's about lifestyle. Everything is about lifestyle. Like we have to start. When we were children, we were taught to collaborate. We were taught to play well with others. If you had a good friend when you were, you know, five, six, seven years old, whatever was yours was hit was hers. Whatever was hers was yours. At some point in between that teenage years until you know the adult, that we don't live like that no more. We understood that I we used to call them parties, but it was literally like an excuse for all of us to get together in the corner and eat a bunch of junk food. But if I got two dollars and my friend had two dollars or some other person got five dollars, we put all our money together and we go into the store and get as much junk food as we can. Nobody was saying, well, I got five dollars, so I should get more. Like we understood, even, I mean, on all levels. Well, so-and-so mother got a job, so he can get five. He's going to have five dollars. My mother on welfare, so I only get two. This person, you know, whatever the reason, you got a dollar, but it doesn't matter. Everybody ate the same because we all put our stuff in together and we all were good. I don't know what point of life that came where it was like, nah, we're not collaborating because when you talk about getting out of a jam and you sitting there with $5 or, uh, you know, usually it's more money than that. You got five grand and your jam is 10 grand and the other person got a, a problem and y'all both can put y'all money together and fix both each other's problem. But you guys would sit there and watch each other struggle. 
And, but do you think it's crazy? Do you think that happens organic or naturally when people become adults? Because I think about my children and they'll tell me, they'll tell, I mean, I think kids still do that to this day. I think the kids still do this. I mean, because my kids will tell me like, you know, they forgot that something was going on at school where you, where you had to have money mm-hmm. and a friend will buy for them. And then by, it has happened vice versa. Yeah. I mean, and, and not on purpose. And they don't, they don't even say, okay, I, you pay for me this time. And I, you know, I'll pay for you next time. They yeah. don't even do that. I mean, you know, my girls have shared with me. Do you, so my, so do you think that that switch flips and turns to that, you know, to this, yeah, it's something happening in that adulthood space where, you know, the poison gets put in your brain that sharing and, and collaborating is not a smart way to get to where you need to get to. And again, especially we understand even more always. That's why I want my kids to be in sports as well, because sports we taught, we, we, we were taught that we weren't making money off of our sports, but we put our blood, sweat and tears into it for our band of sisters, a band of brothers that we were playing with. And we, you know, sometimes you had a, a, a weak night, but somebody else come and they're going to be the person. And they understood if you got 20 points, I got 20 points. We still want, you know, so if I wasn't hitting my shots tonight, I'm going to make up for it on defense. Or I'm going to just be out there and do the best I can do. I'm going to try to play hurt. You know, I'm trying to do everything. That same energy, that's a lifestyle for an athlete. And so that same lifestyle has to come and permeate through everything that you do so that you can grow because you teams grow. I mean, look, Magic Johnson's talking about buying, you know, um, the Denver Broncos. He said his words were like, I'm putting a team together to do that. When he bought the Los Angeles Dodgers, I'm putting a team together so that we can get the Dodgers. Like what the, that's one thing we haven't learned yet. A lot of people are not, they're trying to do it solo or they're saying this is the, the thing that, and I told a couple of my good friends this, I told them they, because they'll say, well, I'm waiting till I get to a certain point before I can, you know, like, why do we have to be at the same point for us to collaborate? You know, you're needed where you are. You got $500,000. I got $5, but that don't mean I don't have no gifts. That don't mean I don't have no talents. Even if I had to watch your children while you go put that $500,000 to use, that's still a valuable thing. Your children doesn't have a price tag on it. So if you spend a year putting money, $500,000 into a business to let it grow. And you didn't have to have worry about your children one time because I was watching them for free. I'm just as much as a partner as anybody else. I agree. I agree. I agree. Um, it goes back to that competition, jealousy, envy, peace, Jay. Yeah. And that is something, and I, I, I think I shared with you, Mark Luther King wrote in his book, and I'm not going to quote him, but he touches on this in his the very last book that he wrote, um, Where Do We Go From Here? Chaos, Our Community. He talks about how infections, I mean, it will infect, it infects a community, competition and jealousy. Yeah. I mean, it can, it destroys communities. We had to put that, we had to put that out there. We had to keep talking about that. Um, we have to keep talking about that because our people need to hear it and it need to be called out as well. It doesn't have to be called out from a negative space. It just needs to be shown. And I've been doing that myself. I've, uh, you know, I'm in that transitional space as well. And I've just been telling people and that I love, like, you know, this is horrible. Cause I remember telling a good friend of mine that, you know, I'm transitioning to another city and I'm like, it sucks that I have very good friends that I haven't done anything with 
that we could have put our families in an even better space. But we've all sat back and tried to do our individual things. And we all would have been so much further along if we to work together. And I and I've said that out loud. Like that's that that hurt me. Because now that I got knowledge, wisdom, and understanding, I'm like, you dummy, you could have been way further than you are. Way further than you where you are. So I'm not gonna go into this next phase of my life and with that spirit. I'm looking for people to collaborate with. I'm looking for people to give an opportunity. I'm looking for people to to know and to have the same spirit that I have so that we can actually grow and actually show our kids how it's supposed to be done. Because you're right, our children are like that. My kid, my daughter's like, hey, I gotta. My daughter put, we fought with her and I, and this is something she probably, I mean, she knows, but she has a good friend that she wanted to put in her book, you know, um, like, thank you. And I said, that's fine. You know, we're curbing it, but not saying, but she loves, she loves hard. And she's like, well, if I'm doing this, I got to make sure that she's good too, you know? And I'm like, yeah, you got to make sure she's good. It is not your responsibility. It's understand that's just what you're trying to do. It's not, you're not responsible for that. But not, you know, trying to make her feel bad for wanting to be that person. But I want you to motivate her to be great, too. Because as you guys grow together, you guys will be able to help each other. And nobody's pouring from an empty cup. That's what I want her to understand. So, you know, you kind of feel her, let her feel you. And y'all do it and y'all grow together. That type Mm -hmm. of thing. But I love that she has that spirit. I love that she has that spirit. And we can't shoot it out of them. You know, I, I remember it getting shot out of me. I, I remember it. Like I remember like it was yesterday. I ate at everybody's house in the neighborhood. But I remember my grandma wouldn't let none of my friends eat at my house. Now, hmm. I get it. She had 15 people to, to feed. I didn't understand that part. I got it now. But I still felt like crap because every one of my friend's parents fed me. Like, they made, but are, is he coming over today? Because he going to eat. But my grandmother didn't articulate it that way. She just was, no, they can't have nothing. So I would, as a friend, I would not eat with them. I mean, eat there. I would eat with them or go someplace else. But she literally would be like, nah, I'm good on that. Like, But I get it. Now she had 15 miles to feed. But it would have been nice for her to say, nah, you know, we got too much many people to feed as is, you know. And it's we would love, I would love to feed you, but... <laughs> It's just, you know, it's tough. But it was, she never was articulate like that. She never, you know, put it so eloquently. She did it in her special way. And I was so embarrassed every time. But you know how young people are. They they understand. They just laugh it off. And come on, you can come eat at my house type of thing. But I'm grateful to have the, I was grateful to have those type of friends. And they didn't take it personally. Or tell right. parents or something like that. But, you know, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Right. But, yeah, this has been great. I'm excited. <laughs> And, you know, we can go all night. <laughs> I know. I know. You guys are getting a taste of what goes on regularly between the two of us. But I think it's a treat for you guys to um, witness our conversations. Also, you know, something that's very really important. The Ram Foundation is having this camp which is starting on June 6th. So tell us about how everybody can register for the camp. Some of the things you got planned and um, the website, all that other good stuff um, this summer coming up. So the register for the camp, um, I'm going to send you to the website. The website is www.ramfoundationsc. Ram, that's R-A-M, foundation, S-C, like South Carolina, dot org. www.ramfoundationsc.org. And so you can learn more about who we are, our mission, um, and register for camp 
um, by going to that, that website. And so six weeks out of the summer, um, our theme for the summer is um, if they believe it, they can see it. And we're pushing it to, through the, the filter of black authors. Mm. And so we're going to have um, authors come in every single week to, you know, talk about, you know, their book. I'm going to be, and I say I, it's because this year, while I'm, I'm the CEO of the RAM Foundation now, um, I'm also going to be the director of the summer program this year as well. And so um, the kids are going to be exposed to probably well over 100 picture books um, authored and illustrated, author or illustrated by a Black author. Excuse me, let me say authored by a black author or illustrated by a black illustrator. Um, and then of course we always take, take our field trips every year. Um, the kids learn about the Buffalo soldiers every single year. And so we actually have a Buffalo soldier chapter right here in South Carolina and they have um, a, a huge, beautiful farm, um, Greenfield farms here, right out, right outside of Columbia. And the kids get the chance to ride horses. Of course, they learn about the history of, of, of the Buffalo soldiers, um, which is a, you know, a, historically a black, uh, army regiment. And so, um, we're going to be doing that. Uh, I've mentioned that we're going to be doing the, the mock trial. I think I said that we, mm-hmm. we did it in the past. So we'll be doing that again. That's it. We're going to the, the courthouse and the kids to have that experience. Um, I always take them to the state house, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I it's, always, it's, you know, that's I, your I, you know, that's your church. <laughs> I'm, I'm, hey, I'm telling you, I always take them to the state house because I, I need, I need, I need kids. If they're going to be in my space for six weeks out of the summer, I take it as a duty of mine. Those kids know who the governor is. They know who, and I, I actually still quiz my own children. They, they're going to know who the governor is. They're going to know who the lieutenant governor is, the state treasurer. They're going to know the secretary of state. And I always make sure that these kids know who their state representatives are and their senator. That's good. That's great information. And so, of course, they go to the state house and they learn how a bill is passed legislatively, how the process, you know, idea, subcommittee, committee, floor, and if it passes, it goes to the governor's desk. It's but adults it that to, don't know that though. You know, it's adults that don't know that information. What, but look, before, before a piece of legislation goes from, so if a piece of legislation is introduced, now I know I'm getting off here, but if a piece of legis- legislation is introduced in the House of Representatives, that whole process has to actually happen for that same piece of legislation in the Senate. So if it goes from the idea to a subcommittee to a committee and passes the House, now they have to send that same piece of legislation over to the Senate and the Senate have they have to push it through their subcommittee there. And if it doesn't go through subcommittee, they ain't going to ever get to the committee. But if it goes to subcommittee, it goes to committee. Now they decide whether or not it goes to the Senate floor. So, I mean, it's a whole process. And my babies at the Rand Foundation, they learn it. And so we go to the so we're going. We always go to the state house. We're going to go uh, to the, the the Supreme Court, the South Carolina Supreme Court as well, and they're going to um, have an opportunity. I'm not I'm not going to put that out there yet because until until it is confirmed. But it's it's going to be amazing. It's going to be an amazing experience for the kids this one year. I'm, I am really really excited. One of the biggest things she neglected to say that is totally free 
Oh, that's right. It's absolutely Every free. Student, totally free, 14 years and running, no child is paying for summer camp. So you talk about helping the parent out. <laughs> that's a blessing in the half. Cause and, and and breakfast and lunch is also included. And, and so you, you talk paid. about collaboration. We partner, we have a we have a local partner who provides our breakfast and our lunch every day, Monday through Friday. I love it. Um, amazing. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm excited. This is going to be one of, and I, I say it every year. This is going to be our most exciting year yet. But I mean, truly, this is going to. I'm I am really excited for this year, and I'm going to blow up social media to let people know that these kids, these babies that we have this year for Ram, I'm going to show them their their unbelievable experience and unbelievable summer. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Listen, you guys, if you are in the Columbia, South Carolina area, please, ma'am, please, sir, go to the website that she just mentioned. You, If you're watching right now, you will see it on the screen. Say the website one more time, Deetra. It's ramfoundationsc.org. Ramfoundationsc.org. And so if you, for my listening people, you guys can, can hear it multiple times and go to that website. We will be putting this out prior to um, you, you know, for you to register, so, you know, we're going to put this out immediately so the guys can register, you hear it and get people to go over there. We're going to get the max amount of people. We want a waiting list so we can get back, <laughs> you know, the pandemic put everybody off. I'm happy to have everybody back. You know, I know she was still doing it virtually, but now to get everybody back in front of everybody is going to be a great time. It's a great situation. I participate pretty much every year since I got, um, wind of it. And I will be participating again this year. So you guys take your kids if you can. Um, if you don't already have something situated, go ahead and get with the uh, with Ram Foundation right now. Spots are filling up fast, so don't miss your opportunity for your child to have an amazing time this summer. You guys know how we do every week here on Star of Talk. I told you I was going to upgrade you, so no better than with my sis. And um, oh, I don't know about an upgrade. I don't know. They just got They got. They got a small peek inside of our daily conversation. That was a small, small they, peek. They need it because, you know, a lot of times <laughs> we talk about business and things like that, but even business owners have to deal with this portion. And I think that the more people know about what goes on from this space, I think they would jump into the business space more um, knowledgeable. Because, again, I didn't know. It was all about how can I feed myself and my family? But now when I start a business or I invest in something, I go in with this knowledge and it's a different ball game. It's a whole lot easier. Honestly, it's better for me going and just going out trying to make a couple dollars. It sound cute, but man, it's so many more inner workings that that can stop you from making those dollars from policy, from law, from these things that you just don't know. And so now that I do have this knowledge, my business platform has grown so much because I can cut out some of the fat. I can cut out some of those roadblocks that I've been going through all my life trying to be an entrepreneur. So I appreciate you always pouring into me and thank you so much for my people because they need it. I know they need it. I know they're going to appreciate it. I got, you know, an audience that definitely says, Hey, you know, I, I love the people that you bring on and I'm, I'll do it on purpose. I want the people to get something. A lot of times people just want to hear themselves talk and they want other people to hear themselves talk. But I want you to get something out of when you hear me talking to people that you hear me interact with. So I pray that you guys enjoyed it. I know that you did, but 
Stay tuned. You know how to find us, www.iwonstarve.com, www.jhaleem.com. Go to Starve Talk on YouTube and subscribe and click the notification bell. If you are a listener, you know, go ahead and get that. It comes out on when every Wednesday you will get a new podcast here. So look out for this one coming up. Until then, see you next time. I'm in the studio with Jay Haleen. 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 You are now in the studio with Jay Haleen.